talk to you about a little different note than this morning. This morning, is a, it was a, it's always hard to talk about hell. It uh, is a tough, we don't understand it. We don't understand that why it has to be. We don't understand why God did it. He did not explain himself. One thing I learned a long time ago is that God does not owe me an explanation. I take it by faith. I know he's good. I know he's true, and whatever he does is righteous and honorable. And so I find it in the Bible. If it's there, I don't have trouble believing it and saying, okay, amen. Even though some of those doctrines I can't comprehend and put in my, I can't put my mind around it. But I can tell you they're there, and it's true. A little different note tonight, I want to talk to you on community night about Psalm, one of my favorite Psalms. I preach, I'm sure I preached on it before. Psalm 34. Take your Bible to Psalm 34. If you have not meditated, put your mind over, roll that thing through your mind, you surely do want to make Psalm 34 one of your main, at least one of the, one of the ones you roll over in your mind. Do any of you have a favorite food? Or you have a favorite dessert? Or you have a favorite a soft drink? Most of the time, you order that over and over and over again. You know, if you have a favorite something, you'll say, "What?" My wife, my wife makes fried noodles. It's it's what we call. We've made a joke of it in, between her and I, and but it's for when my, my wife has a tough day at work and things don't go well. Which, anyway, uh, she'll come home and she don't say anything. She's a quiet, soft-spoken, and few-word woman, and she'll come in and. And, and uh, I'll hear the frying pan go out on the stove, and pretty soon I'll smell the butter as it's cooking in the pan, you know. Nothing like the smell of butter. And uh, God said burn the fat. Butter's fat, and it smells good. And so she will start, she'll boil the noodles first, and she'll put them in the pan and fry them and brown them is what she does. She browns them. And I'm telling you, I could eat those every day, but she's not that depressed. <laughs> there have been times when I've eaten it two or three times in a week. I know she's having a real tough week, but I'm enjoying it. Somebody ought to be happy when you're down. And so... Psalm 34 ought to be one of those. It ought to be your fried noodles. It ought to be your, your sweet thing. Whatever it is, is your sweet thing. So each one of you kind of make a special ooh-la-la la, meal of some kind. Or, or, or one of the things that... And, and I think of you guys. I think of uh, pineapple with cinnamon and sugar cooked on the grill. That's what I think of you guys. Now, that's my sweet thing with you guys. And, 
And uh, that's what Psalm 34 ought to be. It ought to be like that, that hot pineapple with that sugar and that cinnamon over the top of it. Ooh, just melts in your mouth. And that's the psalm. Uh, God gives us these to help us. And so I want to go over a few of these. This, this psalm has to do with security. Uh, this week, of course, had a horrible shooting and, um, in the church there and up in Texas. And, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me as this thing is going, it's going to get a lot more frequent than that and more severe even. And it wouldn't surprise me anything that goes on today as these spoiled children. That's what these people are. They're spoiled brats that are doing this. They've had their way. They don't get their way. Man, 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 I'm going to kill a bunch of people on the way out. That's a sad case of affairs. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me it happens. The, one of the, we've, we've been advised by the FBI to harden our target. That's what we're supposed to do here at Gospel. We're supposed to harden. We're what we, they call us a very soft target. Uh, easy to kill people. And so they, their advice to churches was you have to harden your target. And we're doing that. And we're, we're making preparations. We have cameras everywhere. Uh, we have some security people. We have 92-year-olds carrying weapons. I don't want this on the internet. Um, what will happen if we get a mass shooting, it'll be a mass shooter kills two people and then shot 41 times. <laughs> Friendly fire killed 50 people. <laughs> I want to give you some advice tonight, and I want you to listen to it. If, we, if you start hearing shooting, hit the floor. Lay on the floor. Now, don't let a guy just walk down the aisle shooting you in the head. Throw something at him. <laughs> Throw your shoes at him, girls. I mean, do something. Don't just lay there and take it. But what I'm saying is while the shooting's going on, and if he's not right on, get on the floor because our people that are armed, which is probably a third of this group, are going to all get their guns out and start shooting his direction. If I was you, I would get on the floor. I'm not worried about Charlie hitting me. I'm not. I'm not worried about some of these. I'm not worried about Moon. Well, I'm not worried about Moon. <laughs> Moon may be getting even, though, you know. <laughs> but I'm concerned about the ones that are doing this. <laughs> That's why I'm a little concerned about all that. A verse that I put in the, I think I put in the bathrooms. Psalm 144 was, uh, blessed be the Lord, he taught my hands to war, my fingers to fight. That is not a verse that a lot of, I tell that to Christians, they'll say, that's not in the Bible. I said, it's in the Bible, not in the Bible. They've been taught so much error. They haven't even been introduced to the God of the Bible. They've just been, they've, they've, they've been introduced to a God made of a man, in man's imaginations. So I want to talk to you about this security. This is a security psalm. It's a security psalm. I, it didn't take me long to realize women cherish security. They don't just like security. 
they cherish security, possibly because they're the ones who have the babies, who make the nests. You know, we men are out there. We want to go out there in the front of the ship in a, in a gale storm and sleep on the ground. And, and, you know, we don't care. We don't have to even have a place to live hardly. But the ladies want a you know, place to live. They want actually privacy and all this other stuff. So it's important with the girls that they have a place of security, a place of privacy. Now, I'm going to tell you in the next, ten, the next five seconds what I know about women. Okay. I do know something about this psalm, though. Let me share a little bit of what God's helped me with it. This has been one of the psalms that took me through some dark times, some hard times. I'm going to do a little exposition or explanation of it. The key to security, found in first three verses there, we must decide to be thankful for everything all the time. Psalm 31, 1 through 3 says, I will bless, 34, 1 through 3, I will bless the Lord at all times. David in his psalm had just been, he had played the madman, let, let, his, let his spit go down in his beard and all this, you know, humbled himself to keep Abimelech from killing him. And Abimelech said, he's a madman, get him out of here. Otherwise, David you know, I mean, in another scenario, could have been killed. So he, he, just had, he just had played like he was mad to get out of a situation where he may have been killed. And he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord, and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name forever. This was a bad time for him, uh, but he understood what it was to make a personal choice to be thankful. I don't think thankful has to do with personality. I don't think being thankful has to do with mood. I don't think being thankful has to do with temperament. I don't think being thankful has really anything to do with circumstances. I think if you decide that God's good, and you decide to be thankful for what he dishes out on your plate, Whatever he dishes out on your plate, you're going to say, thank you, Jesus. I just got told, you may go to the doctor, and he may say, you got cancer, you got six months to live, go home, put your house in order. You just say, God, hallelujah, glory to God, I got six months. Because there's a lot of people who have not had six months warning. They, they go, over. And they don't get to make it right with their people. By the way, you ought to be right with everybody all the time. Be right with as many, be right with everybody. Try to just be right with everybody. Now, if they won't be right with you, that's one thing, but you can make a shot to be right with them because you may not have the time to go back and get right if you get in a situation where you know your time's limited. Just get right. Humble yourself. Get right. As much as lieth within you, live peaceably among all men. That's not easy. Easy to quote. Real different to do, isn't it? But, He's, he was thankful. He made a decision to be thankful, to overcome the negative, wicked flesh. Secondly, we see in verse 4, 6, and 17, when you have a problem, instead of seeking first the doctors or the lawyers or the counselors, even your friends or Facebook or Twitter or any of that other, how about seeking the Lord? How about giving God first place? 
First place meaning that's the first place you go. You don't, you don't get on Facebook and write, I feel blue today. I feel down. I, I, hear, I see people, I'm not naming, I'm not even thinking of it. If, if I'm talking about you, it's just because God wanted me to. Because I'm not thinking of a soul. But I'll look at Facebook and they'll say, I'm feeling really lonely today. Well, don't tell me about it. I was up. I was feeling good till I read that. Now I'm down. Uh, go tell God. Go tell God you're lonely. Go tell. By the way, women will get on there and say, I'm lonely. And a man will go, hey. Oh, you don't. It happens all the time. And they call that fishing. In verse 34, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. This poor man cried, verse 6, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all. How many of his troubles? All of his troubles. This verse 17, the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of how many troubles? All their troubles. So you see, he says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me. I believe David was no different than you or me. If we seek the Lord, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We're just told to come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. And I believe right today, God's as, as big, as good as he ever was. And if you've got trouble, you go to him. And if you seek him, you'll find him. If you ask, you will receive. If you knock, it will be open to you. I sought the Lord and he heard me. This poor man cried, the righteous cry. That, what's that all tell you? They're after him. They're after him. They want God. They want God. God, you got to answer this. God, you got to come. I need you, God. God, please come. This is important. I need you now. And God will come. He'll hear you. It honors God that you and I seek him first. I don't believe God's against physicians at all. I think God loves physicians. And science is good, real science if done in the proper order. I think what happens, if I find out, sometimes I have found out that I need surgery. I go to God after I find out I need some. Sometimes I don't know I need it. And then I go to God and say, now, God, what do you want me to do? And I seek his face for healing. I talked to a very, very astute brain surgeon that did my dad's brain surgery. And he told me, he's a born-again Christian. And he told me straight up and down, he said, Bill, I have no power to help your dad. He said, I can cut, I'll cut and take a plate out of his head. I will find the tumor, and the best I can, I will remove and eradicate the tumor in his brain, seal off the blood vessels, and then we're going to put Teflon meshing between his uh, hole there and and the new plate and the plate he'll put his plate back and then they uh you know put a big bandage on you and a bunch of stuff and he says all what did i do he said all i did was move all i did was cut but he said if god don't heal your dad he's not going to be healed and i thought that was it that's biblical seek the lord first he's the one that's really going to be able to heal you a doctor get in there by the way my dad's cancer had grown. You got one major vein going right down the middle of your brain. Big, like about that. And the cancer had grown cell by cell through that vein without leaking. <clears throat> the doctor said, I've never seen anything like it. The cancer has grown through that artery. And if at any one of them things broke, he'd just bleed out and die. And he said, I didn't touch it. I left the cancer in it because if I touch it, he's going to bleed to death and die. 
And he says, you know, that's how, and, and it never bled. My dad didn't even die of that. That was God. It was God. Seek the Lord first. Cry unto the Lord. It makes a difference. Seek the Lord. It makes a difference. The righteous cry the Lord here to deliver them out of all their troubles. Praise God for that. It's true. You know, I just read this last week, 2 Chronicles 16, 12, where it says, Asa, in the 39th year of his reign, was diseased in his feet until his disease it was exceeding great. Yet in his disease, he sought not the Lord, but to the physicians. Man, I don't want God to say that about me. I don't want him to say, well, he sought all medicine, but he didn't seek me first. Brother, I'm seeking God first. I'm seeking God the most and the first. Not that I don't go to physicians, not that I haven't had surgery, but I can tell you every Christian physician I've known will tell you I am able to do a limited amount, but God himself has got to help make a thing work. I say glory to God. Amen for that. Thirdly, we'll see here, forget about your self-reliance and personal abilities and recognize you're nothing without the sheer whim of God. Look in verse 18. The Lord is nigh unto them of a broken heart and save us such of a contrite spirit. If you think too highly of yourself, God cannot help you. There's one thing that repels God, and that's pride. He resisteth the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When you come to God and say, I can't do this without you, those are true words, because he knows you can't do it without him. Now, he's not doing that for himself. He already knows you can't do it. He can't. He already knows that. It's so you know it. It's so you recognize, because what is God? He's truth. And God wants you to recognize truth. The truth is, everybody in this auditorium tonight is here by the sheer whim of God Almighty, by His will. You're here tonight. Brother Mike Tamara's out there playing tennis, and he's got a bad heart. He's one of them guys that drops over, and you wonder, man, I didn't think he was sick. Well, if he could come back from the dead, he'd say, I didn't think I was sick either. And he had, he had, a plug, he had plugged up plumbing. And, uh, uh, you know, it was, a, it was God let you know that, brother. It's all God. You see his hand everywhere. So forget about this whole self-reliance, this self-made man thing. Brother, all things come from God. Know the difference between being humble and being humbled. Being humble is a choice. Being humbled is not a choice. That's God. You don't want to get to the place where God has to humble you. Ooh, you don't want to do that. You don't want to get to the place where God humbles you. You want to voluntarily be humble. Now, now here's the problem. Don't be proud you're humble. And go around and say, I'm the most humble person to gospel. I mean, it's like a double reverse. I'm the most humble. I'm humble. I'm really humble. You don't go around. Humble people don't go around telling people they're humble. You know what humble people do? They go around telling people how wickedly proud they are. Make sense? The humble people are the ones saying, man, I'm, I've got this problem with pride. I struggle with this thing. And you know, it's harassing me. That's a humble person. 
a, a proud person saying, man, I'm, I'm really humble. I've heard people get up in, in our testimony times of the gospel and say, I know some of you think I'm perfect. I always sit in the back going, none of us think you're perfect. I always said, you know, I've had them get up and say, oh, I know, some of you just think I'm perfect. I'm like, boy, you are so mistaken, I can't even believe it. What kind of self-image does a person have that thinks people think they're perfect? Stop. I can't take it. We do not need better self-images, but his image of ourself. We do not need better self-images. This world says we need better self-images. But we need a better, we need, we need to understand how he sees us. Now, you better be careful about asking God for this. Because you're going to see some rotten, repulsive things. When you go to God and say, show me myself as you see me. All I can say is, Temper it with just a little, say a little at a time. Don't, don't give me the big shot. Because, you know, do you believe that you compliment yourself and you give yourself the benefit of the doubt? Most people, human nature, we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. When we look in the mirror, we're really better looking than what we really are. You got more wrinkles than what you think you have. Your hair is worse looking than you think it does. And your dress is, is, is much worse looking than you think it is. Because we look and we say, we, we just, it's just a human pride that we look at you and we go, man, we're ready. It's like when, when, when Barrows told me, I like that coat you got on, but you know, nothing you ever wear, I would wear. <laughs> and he did say that, and my wife, my wife verified it. I needed that. I needed that. I thought a 25-year-old, he's like, yeah, that's right. At 25, of course, what do they know? Right. I just need to go hang around 25-year-olds for a while. I probably could use it. But in Exodus chapter 20, verse 43, said there, and there shall ye remember your ways and all your doings, wherein ye have been defiled. And ye shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for all your evils that ye have committed. Um, that is not a bad place to be. Now, you can't stay there all the time. But it's a good place to go once in a while. To quit looking at yourself with, and giving yourself a break every time. And say, no, by the grace of God, you show me myself as you see me, God. And have mercy as you do it. And then that'll cause you to be broken. That'll cause you to be contrite. You won't have to fake it. You won't have to, to generate it from inside out. And when you become that way before God, then that allows him to bless you. That allows his power to dwell among you. Why? Because God's resisted. He resists the pride. He resists the self-righteous. He resists the self-sufficient. You cannot experience the power of God if you think you don't need it. 
But if you know you need it, you come in and say, Brother Bill, that sin has mastered me. That sin has dominated me. That sin, is, that sin it treats me like a little puppy. I'm just his servant. You're close to getting victory. But when you come and say, I got it, preacher. You're close to defeat. And the Bible says, when you, he that thinketh that he standeth, beware lest he fall. Amen? It's the people who think they got it down are the closest to falling. The people that are concerned about falling, the people who feel that they're weak without God, that without God they would be lost, they're the ones that have the power of God to overcome it. Well, there are seven fantastic results listed here in this psalm of following God. Seven fantastic results. First of all, in verse 4, he will deliver us from all our fears. How do you like that? Do you ever have any fears? One time, I, 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 because of my gout, I had been taking prednisone for about two years, every day. You wondered why I was a little grouchy. But anyway, um, prednisone is pure adrenaline. It'll jack you up, but it'll also save you. It's like a demon. But it helps you. And I needed it for a while so I could function. And so I took it for a while. One day I got mad about it. I said, I'm going to quit this stuff. I hate these drugs. I don't want to take this. It was, and so I quit it. Just dropped it cold turkey. Didn't call Crab, but Dr. Crab. Why would I need to do that? And something happened to me. I went into a horror. It wasn't just depression. It was way past depression. I wanted to, like a horror. I had fear come over me and anxiety come over me. Like I'd never in my life experienced or even knew you could experience. Oh, of course, what it did, I started crying out to God, practicing what I hope I'm preaching here tonight. And saying, God, have mercy on my soul. Man, I started going to God. I didn't know what was going on. It went on for three days. I didn't come to work. I couldn't go around people. And after three days, it got better. And when I went in to see Dr. Crabb, he says, oh, my, you had adrenal, what they call adrenal shock. He says, some people die from that. He said, but it creates an emotion. I said, yeah, yeah. He says, all you had to do was call me. Thank you. But brother and sister, fear. There's going to come, I'm going to be a betting man tonight and say that in everybody's life before you get to go to heaven, there's going to come a time in your life where your feet are knocked out from under you and you fall and you're not able to pick yourself up and you're not able to help yourself and the demon of fear is going to come by your house. What you going to do when he comes for you? Well, David said, here's what you got to do. He'll deliver you. You got to start quoting those verses. Yeah, but they sound pretty hollow when you quote them, but keep quoting them. Keep, keep quoting them. Mine is not the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. You just keep telling the devil and telling the flesh and telling the world, this is what God says no matter what I feel. And God will come. Second thing I notice, well, of course, he'll he will... Um, 
save you from all your troubles. He'll save you from all your fears. Verse 6, he saves you from all your troubles. That's big. That's big. A guy like Barrows and his wife, they haven't had many troubles yet. 25-year-old kid. Still got his mom and dad. She's got her mom and dad. Got a grandpa and grandpa alive. I mean, if they have the Stanleys alive, the Daly's alive, I mean, you got it made. But, and, and haven't really had probably a friend die close to you yet. I haven't asked him this, but usually a guy 25 hasn't had anybody close to him to even die yet. Maybe a grandpa's died. Maybe they've gone to a, but maybe they didn't know the grandpa well. But I can tell you trouble's coming. When the not boy died, I thought about you. Trouble came. You didn't, from one day to the next. From one day to the next. The boy was alive, doing well, and the next morning he was gone. Trouble came. Trouble comes in like a flood sometimes, doesn't it? It doesn't give you a lot of warning. You can, we had a lady here tonight that was in a horrible uh, automobile accident, and she it's just from one moment to the next. Uh, you were in a bad accident. You were in a bad, yeah, the, the Atos were in a horrible accident. And that's why Ben Axway does. No, it's not. But they were in a horrible accident. And numbers of you people have been in life and death places where you've had accidents. It can happen like that. You're going down the road. Everything's good. Somebody turns in front of you, Boom. Trouble will come. And the psalmist knows it, God knows it, and he's preparing you for it. You cry out to God, he's going to help you through all your fears. You cry out to God, he's going to help you through all your troubles. Thirdly, he'll deliver you from all your afflictions. Verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous. <laughs> How many? Rather many. Many. Out of a hundred, what's many? Out of a hundred, what would you consider many? Brother Mike, what would you consider many? Out of 100, what would you consider? Well, 100 would be all of them, brother. But what would you, accountant, what would you think would be out of 100, what would be many to you? 75? Uh huh. Um, brother Morris, out of, out of 100, what would be many to you? Oh, now they're copying each other. Thank you, brother. <laughs> That's right. At least 70, you know, up to, like, even to a, many. This is a promise. You want to make sure you get this, memorize this. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Memorize that. You know, don't we like to memorize being confident in this very thing, which he with hath begun a good work in us will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. We love those great verses that give us nice comments. But sometimes we want to kind of not really dwell on these. But this is just as true as Philippians 1.6. Just as true. Just as true. And... All those great promises are all true, but these are all so true. I, I wish I didn't tell you this. I wish I could say that life was, was going to be a, a, a barrel of a row. What do they say? Bed of roses. Don't get me going. I'm ready to sing. I never promised you a rose garden. But anyway. But... <laughs> Many are the afflictions of the righteous. The Lord delivereth them out of how many? You know what this is going to be? You know, we have so little faith. We have so little faith. The disciples had very little faith, too, so don't feel bad. You're right. You're right. We're right with them. 
We, you have little faith. That's usually the way God refers to us. You have little faith. You won't believe me, you know. But I'm going to deliver you out of them all. You may not believe this, but I'm going to deliver you from all your fears. Uh, you may not believe this, but I'm going to deliver you from all your troubles. In the end, when it's all over, and you're on the other side, and the troubles are over, and the afflictions are over, and the fears are over, you're going to look back and say, you know, God delivered me from all that. <laughs> he said that from the very beginning. He, number four, he will make... I like this. He will deliver you from your want. He'll deliver you from your want. In, in verse 9, o, o fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. No want. No want to them that fear him. So he's, he's going to take your want away. He's going to fill it. You know, God, is, God has done that. He's done it in my life years ago already. It happened. I, I announced it from the pulpit years ago, and I say it again. I have everything I ever wanted, ever dreamed of, ever imagined. It's already over. It's done. And I can't even think of anything new. Well, give me some time on that. I probably can come up with one or two things. But it's true. God takes care of you. I'm not, a, I'm not a health and wealth, but I do believe that God takes care of his people. I believe we don't serve to get, but God says, you serve me, I'll help you. He says it right there. Verse 9, verse 10, the young lions who lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord, let's read it together, shall not want any good thing. Let's do it again. The young lions who lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord, shall not want any good thing. That doesn't mean you're going to get everything. It just means in God's eyes, he's not going to withhold the good things. He won't withhold them. God wants to bless you, but his definition's not yours. Number five, he'll tell his angels to camp around you for protection. He will deliver you with his angels. The whole thing, seven things about deliverance. He'll deliver you with his angels. In verse 7, I just, and I, I, the angel of the Lord campeth around about them that fear him and delivereth him. Last night, I think it was last night, maybe the night before, about 2 in the morning, I'm laying there, doing what most people do at 2 in the morning, sleep. And I heard my name, Bill. And that partially woke me up. And then I heard it again. Bill, and about like that, I got up. I got up, walked around, said, I'm thinking, I look at Kathy, she's laying there like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> it wasn't her voice, but it wasn't a voice I recognized either. And I felt, I, I went around and said, well, what did Samuel do? He said, well, here, Lord, thy servant heareth. I'm around the house going, I'm here. He never showed back up, but what was that? But I know one thing, the angels of the Lord, I got an angel that's been with me for a long time. Not to him, but to me. And I got an angel that's kept me alive. I can guarantee you that. And I got an angel that's camped round about me. Look at it. The angel of the Lord 
encampeth, encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. God doesn't lie. Sixthly, he will give you an audience with him. He'll give you an audience. In verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, the ears are open unto their cry. He will deliver you by his attention. God does really care about you. God does pay attention to you. You are not alone. God is there with you. He listens to your cries. He listens to every word you speak. When you pray, it delights him. Seventh, he'll make sure that your end is not desolate. He will deliver you at the end. This is the best. Verse 22. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants. None of them that trust in him shall be desolate. How sometimes we worry about Social Security. Will it be enough? It won't be enough. How will I pay for this? How will I pay for this? How would I do that? Don't worry about any of that. Don't spend your time. Don't lose one night's sleep over that. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Just go like Job and say, you know what? It could be God that God's will that on the way out I, I lose everything and and, and give everything to the government or give everything to somebody else. But whatever the case is, ultimately my soul is secure in Christ. And I'm not going to keep any of this stuff anyway. And I, I'm going on to be with him. And God, when it's all said and done, you're not going to be able to point a finger at God and say, you didn't do what you said. No. I've seen a lot of old times. I mean, in my, for my share at my young stage of life, I've seen a lot of old timers come and go. And I've never seen one that begged bread. No. I've seen God intervene every time. Not one of his servants will ever beg bread. No. Now he's going to take care of you. All the way to the end. He's He's going to keep you all the way to the end. Verse 22. Look at that. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants. The key is being his servant. Amen. Be God's servant. Just say, tomorrow morning, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? May every decision I make be from heaven. And may I meet somebody needs that I taught, needs, needs, uh, needs me to talk to him. Man, what a way to live. What an excitement it is to live day by day. Who will I bump into tomorrow? Hey, Boy. Psalm 34. May it be your sweet thing. May it be your fried noodles. Probably the title of this sermon should be Fried Noodles. Change the title of the sermon to Fried Noodles. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for, thank you for fried noodles. Thank you for butter. Thank you for the good things. The, the, the Lord satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy strength is renewed as the eagles. Thank you, Father, that you care about us. Forgive us where our face been so thin. We've been so puny that we, we get feeling sorry for ourselves and weeping and crying about how we got it bad. And oh, and that's when really you're there for us. Angels vary the angels of God around us. Father, once in a while, though, I wouldn't mind, hey, once in a while, I wouldn't mind looking in the window. Father, help us. In Jesus' name, there's somebody here tonight that's going to need this. Oh, dear one, go to Psalm 34. Make it your read. Make it familiar. Make it familiar ground because you're going to need it.
In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.